this morning is the third talk in a series on the theme of deepening daily life practice. So many of us have already been deepening for two weeks. How many of you uh, very consciously followed one of your guidelines for practicing in the last week? Yeah, very, very good. And I want to give time to hear those reports uh, in the uh, discussion time. And for those who haven't heard the uh, previous talks, just to let everyone know that we record these talks and they are available on the website dharmaseed.org, D-H-A-R-M-A, seed.org, and you look under teachers and then look under my name, Donald Rothberg, and you can find the other talks uh, on deepening daily life practice as well as uh, uh, most of the talks from the Wednesdays, Sylvia Borstein's talks and other people's talks. It's a tremendous resource. In the first talk, I gave probably somewhere 30 or 40 different ways of deepening daily life practice. And I invited each of us, if we so wished, to see which of those resonated with each of us and to take that as a guide for your own practice for the next week. So I mentioned all sorts of ways to deepen daily practice, ranging from committing to a daily sitting to finding ways to have uh, a number of short five or 10 or 15 minute uh, periods when you were cultivating mindfulness or a kind heart in the normal flow of daily life to reading, to study, to doing a Sabbath, to uh, taking uh, a mindfulness walk after lunch, to having uh, ways of bringing uh, awareness into uh, work and what, or perhaps uh, emphasizing the element of study or developing the wisdom dimension, developing the ethical dimension, and so forth. Um, and this was really inspired for me, especially by coming out of uh, four weeks of retreat in March and as I have for a number of years, really wanting to bring the depths of retreat into the flow of daily life. I also mentioned last time particularly how this is a particular challenge for us in the West in a number of different ways. And I gave actually historical reasons dating back to the uh, Middle Ages and the way that Western societies have developed for why uh, both we would be deeply attracted to inner practice, to contemplative meditative practice, which has been largely marginalized or even eliminated in Western religions. And here we have something relatively non-dogmatic that we get from Buddhist tradition. And we, many of us just say, you know, yes, I'm, I really resonate with that. And I, and I can take that on as a practice, but we don't always focus so much 
on the other elements of practice. And I've wanted to give a very broad view of the nature of what we call practice, which is really means a, a, a capacity for conscious intention in our lives to develop in certain ways, to develop certain qualities like wisdom, love, equanimity, skillful action, and to work through what gets in the way of those. That's more or less a summary of what happens <laughs> in, in practice. And I was last time particularly talking about how we sometimes get fixated on formal meditation as the main or sometimes only form of practice and how we really are helped by having a broader sense. So we can have a broad sense of practice. One of the aids is that sometimes we're in circumstances where meditation is harder or might be traveling, but we can always have a sense of other dimensions of practice. Maybe my practice right now is to listen. It's to listen to others. It's to be present in speaking. It's to be open to beauty and so forth. And, and so having that broader sense of practice is both something that I think is resonant with the Buddhist tradition where formal meditation is only part of the whole transformative curriculum, as it were. Very central, but really there are many other parts. And so giving that broad sense and giving also a sense of some of the ways that I think the uh, contemporary world points to yet other ways of practice. And I, and, you know, I tend to frame it particularly as integrating traditional forms of practice and spirituality with psychological and social dimensions, with ways of working with our own stuff, our own shadow, our own developmental issues and so forth on the one hand, and then working with our social conditioning on the other. You know, the way that we've internalized conditioning which limits us in many ways around gender or race or age or you know, another 10 or 20 of them, right? A lot of them, the, sometimes the so-called isms, <laughs> the collection of isms. And so we have, we have this broad path and it's, very, it's also very personal that our own ways of developing are going to be both unique in certain ways and also follow some general patterns, but there's a lot of uniqueness. Some of us are more drawn to the heart. Some of us are more drawn to knowledge and inquiry. Some of us are more drawn to service and helping the world. Some of us are more drawn to deep meditation and so forth. Some of us uh, are um, drawn to opening to the beauty of the natural world. And this is especially what calls us. So I think it's very important both to get a sense increasingly of one's own individual path, how it ties to more universal dimensions of practice, and also to see what calls each of us. In the last two sessions, uh, at the end and at other times, I've invited us, having heard many different uh, ways of deepening daily life practice, I've asked us each to say what 
calls me. And this, this capacity to listen to one's own intuitive wisdom telling us what's the next step is really, really crucial. Because if we can listen to that and act on it, it will have energy. There's a beautiful poem uh, by uh, David White, which, which I think resonates with this. And, you know, so, I've, so the first talk I gave whatever, 30 or 40 or 50 different ways. And I said, by all means, do not implement all 30 or 40 of these. Just choose one or two that most resonate with you. Don't, you know, don't, I've said a lot of things, but mostly to sort of spark your own imagination or you spark your own uh, intuition. So this is a poem which I think expresses something similar uh, by David White. Start close in. Don't take the second step or the third. Start with the first thing close in. Start with the first step. Walking actually doesn't work very well if you miss the first step. So today I wanted to do uh, two further things in terms of uh, emphasizing deepening daily life practice. Um, I wanted to focus on two really central ways of deepening in a little more depth. And those two are grounding in the body, grounding in awareness of the body, and the other one is starting to take more and more our challenges and difficulties as pointers to practice. So embracing difficulties rather than running away from them, that's a more intermediate and advanced practice. Um, one person who sometimes would come here, he, he described it in this way a little bit humorously. He said, sometimes I say to myself, another effing growth, growth opportunity. <laughs> okay, so I've mentioned a number of mentioned a number of ways that we can deepen and, uh, and I'll just say there's something that I heard at the uh, March retreat from Gil Fronsdell which I really like he, he said something like that in terms of one's practice one is 50% responsible for your practice and he said the Dharma takes care of the other 50% meaning that uh, almost like uh, what is unknown or mysterious or beneath the surface helps you when you put in your 50%. It's important. In other words, we don't have to do it all ourselves. We get help from others and from forces that are mysterious in ourselves, you know, may come through our dreams or may come through something unexpected that, that, that occurs. It's helpful to remember that. We don't have to do it all ourselves. There is the, there is the mysterious. And it's not far away <laughs> at this very moment. So, uh, the importance of the body. Really, really crucial 
for deepening daily life practice in a highly mental and increasingly virtual culture, right? The body is really, really crucial in a culture which is so mental. Some of you know maybe the, uh, become a well-known line from one of uh, James Joyce's short stories from the collection called Dubliners. And there's a line about uh, a certain Mr. Duffy who must have lived in Dublin. And one of the lines near the beginning of the story says, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body. (laughs) Do we know that? (laughs) Right? I tell the story sometimes of myself when I was in my early 20s and I was living for a year in Germany and studying. And uh, I was living on a farm and I had to walk like half an hour into town to take my German lessons. And one morning I just realized uh, I'm not aware of my body at all. I'm just thinking all the time, which is what students are supposed to do in part, uh, or at least certain models of education. Um, I'm just thinking all the time. I'm just like consciousness on a pole. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a sobering moment. And I I think, uh, because that, that went along with being very active physically, right? But I wasn't aware. Yeah. I actually had been a competitive swimmer for 10 years as an athlete, you know, and did a lot of hiking, but not so aware of my body. And awareness of the body is really crucial for bringing more sense of presence into daily life. So whatever we do which develops awareness of the body is really, really, really crucial. We can do it in a lot of different ways, you know. We can do it in our formal meditation, where traditionally mindfulness of the body is the first foundation of mindfulness, and there are a number of different ways to be mindful of the body, from being aware of the breath, to being aware of the body in formal meditation, to being aware of the body while walking, while engaged in different activities, and so forth. There are a lot of different ways that are pointed to Uh, Traditionally, uh, we can uh, develop body awareness maybe if we practice yoga or qigong uh, and we actually spend the time with yoga really being aware of the body as it stretches rather than comparing ourselves to the person next to us, (laughs) which I've I've been told sometimes happens in yoga classes. No, I'm joking. I, I know that from personal experience. <laughs> so um, we, we want to find ways to be aware because what the challenge is in our culture and so many parts of our lives is breaking what I call the, uh, the dominance of the automatic mind. The dominance of the automatic mind that just is keeping on going. You know, that is that is, for many of us, the way we experience life a good part of the time, right? It's just thinking of one thing after the other. You know, and we can see that sometimes we have the habits, you know, there's, you know, we feel perhaps an absence of thinking and we uh, need to turn on something, turn on the radio to listen to something, you know, that we um, 
can be almost as if we are attached to that flow of thinking and scared when it's gone. What's going to be there? Of course, in meditation practice, we learn to see that conditioning, work through it, and be able to be present. And it's really crucial to find ways to move out of that continual flow of mental uh, material. Again, not that that's negative, not that it's harmful. Of course, thinking is often extremely useful. I'm doing it right now as I speak. (laughs) But it's the dominance of thinking which is problematic. And it's the way that it can cover over our love, our wisdom, our ability to sense the sunset, to be with beauty. That's what's problematic. So it's more that the thinking is out of balance in relation to the other parts of our lives. That's the problem. And it's something which is a large-scale, as we know, cultural problem. And so actually when we are shifting and having more body awareness, we're actually participating in cultural transformation, I believe. Because I think the long-term evolutionary development is for us to be fully integrated in terms of all the parts of our experience. And I think that will translate also when we're actually with the body, we'll be naturally more with the earth. And again, I could give a longer discussion there, but I think that is the personal, part of the personal dimension of meeting our ecological issues. Awareness of the body is part of something larger. It's also really crucial to be present. So finding some ways of developing that awareness of the body. I remember that I was once talking with John Travis, who's a spirit rock teacher also, who was especially, he's more of a friend and colleague now, but for a pretty intense period of about four years, he was mentoring me. I remember one day I was complaining about how challenging daily life practice was. You know, it's just like not so much support. You know, when I'm on retreat or you know what it would be like if I was in a monastery, there'd be a lot of support. At which point he turned to me and said, "Let your body be your monastery." And meaning, your body is always present. Let awareness of your body be like the kind of reminders that you might get in a monastery to be present. And that was electrifying at that moment. You can take that. A lot of awareness of your body because it can really take one out of the automatic mind, bring one back to presence. So we each need to find ways, if this calls us right now, find ways to cultivate more body awareness. It could be take a 15-minute walk after a meal every day and be aware of your body. Over time, that will help deepen things. So finding ways, finding little rituals that help you come back to your body, take a walk after a meal, do mindful eating, you know, take 10 or 15 minutes for the whole meal just to be aware of your food. All of this is helpful. To find, to find ways to, again, do yoga, qigong, some kind of practice, uh, and so forth. The second significant way of deepening that I wanted to mention is 
taking challenges as part of your practice. Taking challenges or difficulties not just as problems to be gotten rid of or to evade or avoid, but uh, challenges to say, oh, a way to develop further in my wisdom. Or it's like, you know, it's like lines which I like from the uh, 8th century teacher Shanti Deva from the Mahayana tradition who talks about having a difficult person uh, in his life. And he says, uh, just like a treasure appearing unannounced in my home, I should be grateful to have a difficult person for that difficult person assist me with my conduct of awakening. <laughs> That's the eighth century, right? So, uh, okay. think of that the next family gathering you're at. <laughs> okay. Or the next next gathering with your own difficult person. Um, in the, uh, the Tibetan tradition has some nice phrases also. They say uh, in the Lojong teachings, turn all obstacles into the path of practice. Not easy, right? And we have to start with the less difficult obstacles and the less difficult difficulties and take those on, not to take the most intense ones first. Take minor difficulties. Take your interactions with telemarketers. Take your, you know, take a difficult moment driving when someone cuts you off. Hopefully that's a workable situation. And uh, take it as a moment of practice. Take a difficult moment that's more in the, the middle range of difficulty and take that as practice. Another line I like a lot from the Tibetan tradition goes like this. When the sun is shining and my stomach is full, I look like a Dharma practitioner. I look like a Dharma practitioner. In other words, I look like a serious spiritual practitioner when the sun is shining and my belly is full. However, it is when difficulties arise that my flaws are revealed. <laughs> right. So, a tremendous learning possible. And can we frame it so that we actually take the challenges? This might be something which appeals to you and, and might won't be your edge for the next week. I'm gonna, again, I'm going to invite us to, to uh, take that kind of edge. Uh, take the challenges, and, and we know from past experiences, I'm sure, that when we actually were able to not run away from difficulties, but to work with them, that there can be great learning. There can be very significant learning. It's a little bit like the old archetypal notion of the alchemist. The alchemist turns lead into gold. That's That's a metaphor for turning difficulties into something very beautiful. And we know that that's one of the ways that we, that we mature. So that can be a really fundamental area of practice as well. <clears throat> Those are two big ones. Let me, can we come back in the uh, discussion time? What I want to do now is something a little more experiential. Okay? 
I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to lead us in another way of deepening daily life practice, um, which will be more through the bringing of awareness to some activities. And this is a modification of something that I also learned from the Tibetan tradition. In the Bon tradition, they have a very interesting type of practice, which I think, as far as I know, is unique to all of Tibetan Buddhism and is unique to um, uh, Buddhism in general. They call it mixing practice. And generally, one mixes awareness with an activity. Now, in, this, in these particular teachings, it's actually more advanced. And you're actually mixing a pretty high level of awakened awareness with different activities. And so I'm modifying it to be a very simple way of connecting awareness with activities. And when I've trained in this in the Tibetan tradition, what we would do is we would stabilize at a certain level of awareness. And then the way the formal training goes, you then bring it into a particular ordinary daily activity. So you, f- you go from the formal practice to the daily activity, and you go back and forth. That's why it's called mixing. It's very interesting. Traditionally in this method, one was supposed to actually bring that awareness into uh, activities of body, speech, and mind. And it's very interesting. We're not going to do it in as detailed a way, but when I've done this in a formal way, you would have... Uh, you would bring it into what's called pure body activities, neutral body activities, and impure body activities. So when, when we did these practices, the pure, the pure body activities would be like prostrations or something of a spiritual nature. The neutral ones would be like walking, and the impure ones would be like uh, punching someone. <laughs> and we actually... In the training, we actually were encouraged basically to maintain awareness when you lose it, <laughs> even if you're you know, doing something. And the same thing with uh, speech and mind. Uh, with speech, again, there's more you know, pure speech, there's neutral speech, and like the impure speech, we tried to, tried to maintain awareness while we were doing trash talking. <laughs> anyway, it was kind of fun. But the idea is, but it, see, because it, it sounds a little funny, but when you actually do that as a training, the next time you lose it, you may remember, oh, I've lost it, let me be aware. Right? So it's interesting, right? It's a very interesting logic to it. So that, I'm, I'm going to uh, take us into maybe about a 15-minute practice where we do this in a way that if, you, if it uh, resonates with you, you can do this at home. Okay? Very simple. Again, it's very simple. We have a few minutes in which we will cultivate mindfulness, and then I'll guide you in an activity. Then we'll go back to mindfulness, and I'll guide you in another activity. Okay? And so it's a very simple principle. Okay? (coughs) Okay, so first, just uh, come back to being present, and I'll invite us to be uh, mindful, and if, some, if for some of you your main practice is metta or loving kindness, it could also work just doing that for what we're doing. For most of us, it would be mindfulness, and it could just be being aware of the breath, coming back to being present. 
Okay? So we'll do this for three minutes, and then I'll have us mix the awareness with an activity. Okay? So we'll start just by being present. Now I'd like you to uh, stand up, keeping awareness of your body. Bring your awareness now to your body. And I'd like to invite us just to walk around the room, however you want to, just for about three minutes. And I'll, I'll time this and bring us back. Just keeping awareness. Imagine that you're maybe just walking during the day, maybe doing shopping. Keep your awareness. Let the awareness you just cultivated mix with the walking.
It'll just be three minutes so you can really stay focused. And if you want to stop, that would be fine, but continue to be present. You can stop, start again, whatever you feel like. Now slowly make your way back to where you were sitting. And when you get there, you can come back to uh, formal practice, formal mindfulness or loving-kindness practice. So as a way of training, the basic principle is that you go from some degree of stability with your mindfulness into an activity. That's the idea, with the conscious intention to mix them. That's the principle. So you could uh, possibly say, okay, I'm going to try to be mindful when I wash the dishes. And you could actually do a minute, if that brings you back, just a minute of mindfulness, and then go right into the washing of dishes. Something like that. It's the mixing that really makes the difference. Because you kind of uh, piggyback, as it were, on the awareness that you've already cultivated to bring it into the activity. So it could be applied in all sorts of ways. So we'll, we'll go back now into our silent sitting and then we'll end for another three minutes or so. <clears throat>
And now in a little while, we'll mix the awareness, the mindfulness, with some speaking. A little more challenging. And the content that we'll bring up, I'll ask you each to think about, each have a chance just to speak, maybe for two minutes. And the content will be just to think about something that happened earlier today or yesterday or the day before that's meaningful to you, but that you could talk about in about two minutes and that in terms of the um, level of meaning, you know, from one to ten, with ten being really meaningful, this should be in the middle, four or five. Like when I went to think about it, I said, well, yesterday I went and had acupuncture. <laughs> it was really nice. We had a nice conversation and so forth. You know, so something that you don't have to think about too much. Okay? I, you or I would say, yeah, I went to Trader Joe's yesterday and got a lot of almond milk. So just think about what you might uh, talk about that just is ordinary, takes about two minutes. Okay, and now go back to your mindfulness. Go back to that quality of mindfulness. And then keeping the mindfulness, turn to the person next to you or behind you, find a partner, and introduce yourselves, keeping the awareness, and body awareness will help a lot, and just have the first person start talking about your two-minute thing with the second person just listening. The aim is to keep a sense of awareness, okay? So you could just start. Raise your hand if you need someone. Okay, we have... One person speaking, one listening. Main thing is mix your awareness as you speak. Keep your awareness, especially being aware of the body. And and now switch. Second person gets a chance to speak. Keep your awareness, especially awareness of the body, as you listen and speak.
And we'll have the second speaker finish up. And in whatever way you'd like, thank your partner. Thank your partner for the sharing of the moderately significant. And then we'll come back to just a little bit of coming back to silence. Coming back to just being present for a few moments. And if we were going to bring this kind of training into our daily lives, one way of doing it would be to identify maybe 10 everyday activities and arrange them in a hierarchy of easiest to mix awareness with to hardest to mix awareness with. So to see where it's easiest to be aware, to be present, to, to mix and where it's harder. So, you know, for me it might be taking a walk by myself right after I've done some meditation and when I really have a clear intention, well, that's, that's easier, right? Um, and you can arrange it maybe talking with people I'm really comfortable with. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's out of the 10, maybe that's four, you know? So you see what's easier when you do the mixing, and maybe the hardest would be, you know, um, being on the computer. You know, that's that's pretty hard, right? Or uh, could be other things. You know, maybe uh, um, you know, gardening. Maybe maybe for some it's easier, for some it's harder. So you drop a list of ten everyday activities, and you can experiment and see which is easier and which is harder and you practice especially with the easier ones. And you develop your capacities and you gradually bring them to the more difficult. But you have, have that sense of a hierarchy and then you can do this. The key again is the mixing. That you get some degree of stability and then you go into the activity as a training. With, and you can do that at home and maybe you do that, maybe someday you say, I'm gonna experiment with this for an hour this morning, right? And you can see this as a little bit of a formal training. You do it some, a few times, and then 
maybe more and more, or you can just some you can just say, time to do the dishes. Let me meditate for three minutes before I do the dishes, and then try to have the dishes be done with awareness. Right. So you have a little bit of stopping. So it's really the value. Um, a principle I haven't mentioned yet, which is the value for deepening daily life practice of pausing regularly. Really, really crucial. Pausing, stopping, coming back to yourself. So this could be a way of doing it. You stop for a minute, you develop presence, and you say, let me mix this with the next activity. Not easy. Start, you know, start emphasizing the ones that are really the easiest. That's the way to work with it. Okay? So let's open it up now. I can hear either you know, a report from how, on how that was, any question from uh, or comment related to the talk or your own discoveries in the last week. So, and we have a, we'll wait for the microphone. <clears throat> oh, um, yeah. Well, I was just thinking about the um, mixing of yeah. uh, the mindfulness with reading. With reading, yeah. Just curious about that because you know, it feels quite, a little closer. Feels quite mental at times, reading. Yeah. You know, and so just how to stay mindful. Yeah, for most for most people, the mixing with the mental will be a little harder, more challenging. You know, in the tra- in the training that I was mentioning, it was included. It was body, speech, and mind were the three broad categories, and so we actually did train, do some thinking, do some reading right after you've meditated, and try to bring awareness there. Uh, body awareness could play a large role, right? You see, body but, awareness. Yes. Like can you can you can I be aware of my body as I read? You can try. Can I be aware of my body as I listen to the television? It's harder. Uh, it's possible. You know. You know. Often with reading or being on the computer, there's a sense of immersion, which has its positive aspects. But this is really to experiment. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay. We have. Uh, Um, I remember you talking about this a long time ago and I was baffled then I'm still kind of baffled Yeah. so what I noticed right now was um, while I was listening I could have body awareness although I don't think I think I was going listen body listen body yeah. I, you know I, I mean I was always listening but I was stopping and checking back so it wasn't simultaneous yeah yeah is it supposed to be simultaneous well this is a training if we were uh, to continue the training you know and we were serious about it you would do this a hundred times two hundred times you maybe you'd have a uh, whole way of developing body awareness to be yet stronger. And um, so the, there was no expectation that just by this exercise we have it down. No, but I guess what I'm asking you is, is, is it is possible? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, and the, uh, it is possible okay. to have the body awareness be really strong. Our, our cultural habits to some extent are to go back and forth. It's to, like, when I'm with my mind, it's se- separated from the body and often yeah. separated from the emotions. You know? yeah. um, that's culturally constructed. Mm. Interesting. It's pretty strong in all, most of us, or all of us. Yeah. I would maintain that that's culturally constructed oh. and it's not necessary. Uh, I know that from my own experience, that one can train 
to where it's more of a sense of integration, which is held within the larger space of awareness. There's room for the body, there's room for the mind, there's room for the emotions. The key, none is dominating. We are in a culture where there's domination. Yeah. You know, domination, especially by the mind, you know, in the culture. And that's really interesting. Even though we call ourselves materialistic. <laughs> yeah, and then um, this past week, one of yeah. the things I was practicing was, you know, you said to hook something yeah. to something you do. So I decided I was going to hook a gratitude practice to washing the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> what I discovered was I couldn't, it was impossible for me to wash a dish and come up with a gratitude at the same time. I had to stop and yeah. think, wash, and be there with the washing, mm -hmm. and think. So I guess that's the same it, thing It's actually saying. very much like the idea of mixing. You do that enough, they will tend to mix. And you strengthen, especially strengthen the awareness, and they will tend to mix. So yeah, definitely possible. It takes training. I mean, I, I spent uh, quite a few years cultivating body awareness. You, you know, and um, you know, a lot of us probably have already done that, you know, maybe with yoga or with other disciplines. And some people are more body-oriented to start with, right? Some people are more heart-oriented. Um, and so definitely possible. It can take some significant training sometimes to work with the habits. That's true. <clears throat> um, but it's, you know, and, uh, you know, this is again the, the training, you know, like the training, for example, of a retreat is a beautiful way to have some fairly intensive training on this. Yeah. I think uh, Barbara had her hand up. And then, and then Susan, yeah. Okay. Okay, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. I have a question. Um, I love to paint and I love to write. Yeah. And I have often thought, particularly the painting, was a kind of meditation. Yeah. And so I'm wondering. I, I also know that I get lost in the color. Yeah. And is that being present? Or is it being in dreamland? Uh, that's for you to answer. Huh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's for you to explore. Yeah, yeah. It, it may have elements of both. Uh -huh. uh, but but I think yeah, it's a really and remember that guidance right at the end that you have your own personal hierarchy of what's easier and what's harder, right? And see where the painting fits in that. Maybe it's harder to be present. Uh, <clears throat> on the other hand, uh, you know, <clears throat> what, <clears throat> what is it like to have that sense of deep presence? I imagine that painting often, there is that feeling. Exactly. Yeah, that I'm really, really present. I'm not exclusively in a mental realm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a way that my mind and my emotions and my body are quite integrated and there can be a larger awareness as well, mm -hmm. right? That's what yeah. we're pointing to. Again, this is, uh, you know, and that might be for many people something like that, might be at the top of the hierarchy where it's most difficult. We look for the stuff like just walking. <laughs> can I just be present with walking or maybe doing the dishes? Some, for most of us, something with 
bodily activity, physical activity, will be actually most accessible. Speaking is harder for most of us because it involves the mind. Um, so we want to see uh, how that is for each of us. Mm-hmm. You know? So I guess part of my question is, you know, we talk about being in the zone. Yeah. If you're creating or if you're, some people are in the zone when they're doing a sport. Right. That's not awareness. It may or may not be. I see. Yeah. It, it's uh, explore it yourself. Uh-huh. And see how it is. Um, yeah, there, there's not necessarily uh, there's there's always awareness. You know, mindfulness is in a way awareness of what's happening. And so, mm-hmm. um, in in a way, it's a you know, in a way, it's awareness of awareness. Yeah. Where, where awareness. Without that awareness of awareness is something that's there all the time. Mm-hmm. We're aware whether or not we're mindful. You know, I'm aware of the you know because that's just how the mind works, right? Sure. Right. Sure. Uh, and so, yeah, one can be in the zone without a sense of mindfulness and without a sense of presence. You know, mm-hmm. and there are different you know there are different levels of training in awareness. Mindfulness, the way we usually think about it, is one. Level. There are mm-hmm. levels beyond that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But the main thing is just explore. See, you know, we're we're looking for how to be present in daily life and look for where it's easier, and then gradually find ways to bring it into what's more difficult. Yeah. Um, Barbara, please. Um, first of all, I thought the talking and awareness was like really hard. Yeah. I. How many people found that pretty hard? to be aware of. How many people actually did it somewhat work for? Yeah. So some people, yeah. yeah. I think that would take a lot of time to develop it. Because you're thinking of what you're going to say and then you're sort of not aware. And then... That's right. Yeah, I was trying to have us have something that we wouldn't have to think so much about it. Maybe maybe I could give better guidance. Well, it's good to know that's on the harder... It's good to know it's on the harder, but not for everyone. Okay, I didn't see. And then when you say body awareness, is it just I'm here in my body or are we supposed to be trying to be aware of what our legs are doing, our arms are doing, our head is doing? I I wasn't Uh, clear. Good good question. Yeah, um, the kind of body awareness that we might have, for example, at a meeting or just right now, right, could take different forms. And so, you know, for some people, the, the, the key is, can I have a reference point which helps me avoid the domination by the automatic mind? And so it might just be being aware of my hands touching. It could just be a very finite focus. Hands touching, contact with the ground. Some people go to meetings and do this kind of practice by just being aware of hands or being aware of the contact with the cushion. Or... Um, could some people who have a pretty well-developed body awareness, it might be being aware of the whole body. Not so much trying to say, okay, what's happening here, what's happening here, but almost like awareness of the field. Being there, in it. Yeah, being, being uh, present to the whole body. So it could be done in different ways. Um, probably easier 
as a first practice is just to have a very small focus, like on the hands, be with the hands at a meeting. You know? Or like we, we generally give the guidance for walking meditation, just be aware of your feet. You know, or as you're walking, just be aware of your feet touching the floor. You know, as you get better, you, can, you, know, you could try yoga by being aware. Let me just be aware of the place which is being stretched. Be aware on the level of sensation. Yeah. Yeah, just if one of the, so it's, it sounds like we're trying to be inside and outside at the same time. Yeah, that's a nice way. When I, when I teach this, uh, in, you know, this is a big focus when we do the six-day mindful communication retreat. And we ta- do talk about combining inner and outer awareness at the same time. This is not easy, right? And I, I don't want to suggest that it is. It, it takes, a, but it's possible. Yeah. Do you ever do just retreats on that, like in and out at the same time? It's a big focus on the speech retreat. Yeah, that's probably the retreat that I teach where it's most emphasized. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, maybe last one, and then because we're we're at time. <clears throat> We could go on for another half hour or hour, huh? It's, it's interesting. Didn't you, or six days, yeah. Yeah. Hi. Um, it was uh, really interesting um, doing the mix. The, f- uh, the mixing. Yeah, that, the yeah. mixing. Yeah. Um, my sense of awareness uh, was really different. Yeah. And my body still kind of a little bit shaking. Yeah. Um, I was very aware on the walking. Yeah. Um, then we went into you know the meditation again. Yeah. Then we did the speech. I wasn't able to be so aware. Yeah. But um, it's something changed. Yeah. When we did the mix, that's what happened to me. That's, it's it's it sounds good. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like. Like even I don't know. I I looked at this. And it seemed clearer. Yeah, it sounds it like your strange. your your awareness got got stabilized some, and then got brought to the activity maybe in a way which felt a little bit new. Yeah, and that's very uh, it's very positive. It's again it's part of what would happen as we train. Okay, thank you. <laughs> to be continued. Okay, so let's uh, we'll close with two things. One is. See if you're drawn to take the next week and focus on one or two things in your daily life practice. How many of you would like to do that? Raise your hand. Okay. And you can talk to Tony about it next week. <laughs> so, or talk to your friends. So, so take a moment to clarify what are the one or two focus areas that help me to deep that will help me to deepen in the next week and or if you didn't raise your hand what's my intention as i <clears throat> finish the morning session <clears throat> what's my intention coming out of our morning session And then we close by the traditional practice called the Dedication of Merit, 
I usually raise my hands like this in a traditional way. And this is to recognize that we do this practice, in this case the deepening of daily life practice, both for ourselves and also for those in our lives. And ultimately the horizon is that we do this for all beings, always remembering that we are part of all beings. So thank you, and to be continued. <laughs> may your daily life practice continue to deepen, may mine, may, may it benefit others. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed to continue these offerings, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.